got your Bibles this afternoon, I'd invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. The book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter number 2. Um, book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter number 2. I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful that I get to preach the Word of God because God has called me to preach the ministry. And I'm grateful to do that. Amen. Anybody got a problem with that? I'd say take it up with the Lord. Amen. And uh, I, he would be the one I'd take it up with, that's for sure. Because I believe we got a problem. Amen. I'm thankful to have the calling of God on my life. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 13. The Bible says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye realize, received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is... In truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The Bible says, For ye brethren became followers of the churches of God, which is in Judea, are in Jesus Christ. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their, their sin always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavoring the, most, the more abundantly to see, see your face with great desire... Wherefore we should have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Amen. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Dear God, we need you. I need you, Lord. As I preach the word of God, I pray, God, that it would not go to any deaf ears, but Lord, help us to encourage, exhort. Lord, and do what you've laid on our heart this afternoon. I sure do love you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. It cleanses us from all sin. Thank you for the privilege and opportunity to preach maybe one more time, Lord. And I ask you, dear God, to just please help us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. As I mentioned that verse that, remind, that the Lord reminded me of there in the book of Job, isn't it the truth that man that is born of a woman is full, few of days and full of trouble? Life is troublesome, wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, life is very troublesome. Birth is troublesome. All things associated with life, the world, if you will, can be in some way, shape, or form troublesome. And here's a quote I read that I'd like to read to you. It says, your world is dark, safe, and secure. You do nothing for yourself. You're automatically fed and waited upon. You meet no sharp objects, no pain, no threats. It's a wonderful existence. One day you feel in a tug and the walls are falling on you. Your body is bent double. Your limbs are twisted and wrenched. You're falling upside down for the first time in your life. You feel excruciating pain. There's a pressure that's almost too intense to bear. Your head is squeezed flat. You're pushed harder and harder into a dark tunnel. You heard overall. You hear groaning sounds. Awful fear, fear rushes in on you. Your world is collapsing. You're sure it's the end. You see a piercing blind light. Cold, rough hands pull at you. Then a painful... Slap bombards you and all of a sudden you let out a blood curdling cry. Congratulations, you've just been born. That's how birth is, right? 
It's crazy. It's crazy. What my point is, I'm going to preach in just a moment, but my point kind of is is that it's interesting to look at the human life and find that it's filled with nothing but a lot of pain and a bunch of problems, right? And, uh, you know, I believe it could be said that about the true Christian life too, though. And we live in a world we aren't a part of, amen? We're not a part of this world, and our world is, uh, is, 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 is not excluded from... Our, the Christian life is not excluding hardships and, and, and heartaches and headaches and all that. It's not excluding any of that in our lives, but rather the opposite of times. And Paul here in this chapter that we just read... Paul is talking to uh, um, the church of Thessalonica and the believers there at um, the Thessalonian church and he's talking to them and they have experienced a whole lot of hardship and a whole lot of trauma and they've seen so many things in their life and truly they've suffered uh, for the cause of Christ. And so Paul gives them a word of encouragement here and I'd like to attempt to give you that thought this morning. As well, I'm going to preach. It's not easy, but look what lies ahead. It's not easy, uh, but look what lies ahead. I want you to notice three things with me that they experienced in this life that we show in the passage. We're going to work the passage down. That's how I preach. So number one, I want you to notice they had experienced, or they had encountered rather, salvation in Christ. They encountered salvation. So here are the Thessalonians. Uh, here they are. They were, um, they were saints. And some would probably argue, and I probably would argue with that same fact, but that they were some of the greatest saints in the New Testament. The church of Thessalonians were the were some of the greatest saints that there was. And the, the church there was a field with believers who had become a, a role models of their faith. They literally lived this life and they believed this life. Uh, and they'd done it right. Verse 7 in chapter 1, the Bible says, uh, So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. So that's what they were. They were an example of Jesus Christ. Uh, and listen, you ain't got to shout me on this. This, this afternoon, I'm just going to preach what's on my heart uh, to let you know that that's what we're supposed to be. Uh, and here they are, is that they, 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 they were role models for Christ. And that it began for them at salvation. Uh, it didn't begin uh, some 30 years later, but it began at salvation. Uh, and that's where it all started for us too. Uh, and Paul goes through these verses and he gives us a description uh, of their salvation. I believe the first thing uh, he gives us uh, uh, is the proofs of their uh, salvation. Uh, I know that's a big word. I know that's a word that a lot of people don't like to say, uh, but I believe the Bible do, does give us some pretty good proofs of if somebody uh, is saved or not. Now, I'm not God and can't make that call, but the Word of God already made that call. Uh, and so the proofs of their salvation, uh, oh, while reading through this, I began to notice that the Thessalonians uh, had definite marks to give them evidence uh, uh, to their new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Christ. Uh, and it's interesting. In fact, uh, I believe two of the greatest proofs uh, of, of their salvation there, two of the greatest proofs of their salvation uh, experience and shown there in verse number 13. Uh, uh, look at verse 13. For this cause also uh, thank we God without ceasing, because when ye uh, received the word of God which ye heard of, ye received it not as the word of men, uh, but as it, is, as it is in truth, uh, the word of God. How many is thankful for the word of God in here? Yeah, man, I'm thankful for the word of God. And so uh, uh, I believe the first thing is, is that they had a telltale sign uh, and a proof of their salvation because they appreciated the word of God. They appreciated the Word of God. Now, these believers did not just have an admiration for the Word. Uh, um, they didn't just have... Uh, but they, they, they had an appreciation uh, of the Word of God. They absolutely loved it. Uh, I mean, can you just imagine as Paul got up there to preach to these believers uh, that maybe they sat up on the edge of their seat and they were taken in uh, and soaking up and hanging on to every single word uh, um, that they had. Why? Why is that? Because here's why. Uh, because they received it not as the word of man, uh, but as it was the very word of God. Uh, and friend, we don't look at it like that. Uh, we don't look at this book as a word of God. Most people look at this book as nothing but a book. Uh, but I'm telling you, friend, that's not what it is. Uh, it's the very words of God. Uh, and when Paul looked at them, he said, in other words, they knew what the word that Paul preached uh, and it was a divine origin to them. They said this is from God. Amen, friend. They believed it to be the living word of the living Lord. They believed that. And I tell you, beloved, that's how every Christian uh, ought to treat his or her Bible. Amen. And, and I can, I, a lot of times, listen, I can tell what, uh, I'm, not, I'm not in this thing for a very long time, uh, um, but preacher, you have been. Uh, but you can tell uh, how somebody, how, how, what kind of caliper a Christian is by how they treat their Bible. Mariah? You can tell what caliper Christian they are by how they treat their Bible. Listen, friend, Jesus is the living Word. And the Bible is the written Word, is what it is. And Jesus is the eternal Word of God. Right? He's the eternal Word of God. I mean, thus every time that the Bible is open, preached, or explained, uh, Jesus steps out on the pages uh, as the written Word uh, to become the living Word. Am I making any sense? Amen, friend. It deserves and it demands undivided attention. Now, it's not the preacher that does that, but this Bible deserves that. This Bible deserves it, friend. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, a Christian will either loathe the Bible or love the Bible. He's either going to hate it or he's going to love it. A person, that's it. They ain't no other way in between. It's either be uh, um, the, it's, it's either going to be the book of all books to that person uh, or, friend, it's just going to be another book on the coffee table or in the windshield of their car. That's it. Job. Uh, we ought like Job, as, the, as Brother Adam said this morning, I think it was, uh, is we ought to desire God's Word more than our daily food. Really? 
David, we ought to esteem God's word uh, more than honey and more than money, he said, even as fine gold uh, uh, in chapter number 19 of the book of Psalms. Friend, I'm telling you, it may just be a personal conviction, but I don't like to see a Bible on the floor. I don't like to see a Bible under another stack of books. I don't like that. Anytime that I notice something on top of my Bible, uh, I immediately remove it because uh, I have come to realize uh, that this book I hold in my hand uh, is uh, not uh, uh, not the book of Word of God by man's estimation, friend, uh, but it's the book of God because of God's estimation. Uh, it is God's book uh, and it is inerrant, it is infallible, incorruptible, uh, and indestructible and it's inspired. Amen, friend. I'm telling you something. It is the, 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 it's the Word of God that liveth and abideth forever. That's the book that you have. Amen, friend. So, so that's one reason, that's one proof, if you will, that we could see in their lives that they had been saved because they appreciated the Word of God. Thank the Lord for that. Another reason is because they applied the Word of God. Now notice this verse. The Bible says it's not as the word of men, but as it is the truth. The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. When you received the word of God, which ye have heard of us, ye received it. You see how it says that word received two times? So the word received, it seemed twice. And in this verse, it deals with welcoming. It was welcomed. It was welcomed. They didn't just hear it, friend, but they heeded it. Amen. They didn't just hear it, but they heeded it. They didn't just uh, listen to it. No, they lived it. They lived the book. They lived the book. And you can hear it all day, but unless you heed it, it does you no good. It's truth. Amen. A person who does what the Word says has proofs of a changed life. Amen. It's truth. Amen. So we've seen there, that's the proofs. Uh, of their salvation. Then we see the power of their salvation. Notice the last part of verse 13, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So Paul is telling us that the word has power, right? It does have power. I mean, you not notice how it says? Because that word of God effectually has worked in them that believed on it. It worked through them. It did something in their life. Uh, And so when you get in the Word and the Word gets in you, things begin to change. Am I right or am I wrong? I mean, mean, thank God for the Word of God. Amen, I read this thing and I I enjoy different things, but this this is something I just want to read to you real quick. But it says in Genesis, uh, and this is a poetic form, in Genesis the world uh, was made by God's created hand. uh, In Exodus, the Hebrews marched to gain the promised land. Leviticus contains the law, so holy and just and good. And Numbers write the tribes enrolled all sons of Abram's blood. Uh, Moses in Deuteronomy writes of God's most mighty deeds. Uh, Brave Joshua in Canaan's land, the host of Israel leads. Uh, In Judges, their rebellion oft provokes the Lord to smite. But Ruth uh, records the faith of one well-pleasing in his sight. Uh, In 1st and 2nd Samuel of Jesse's son, we read ten tribes in 1st and 2nd Kings revolted from his seed the first and second chronicles see Judah captive made but Ezra leads a remnant back by princely Cyrus's aid the city walls of Zion Nehemiah builds again while Esther saves her people from the plot of wicked men 
Amen. Uh, isn't this good? I mean, if you know the Bible, it's good. In Job, we read how faith will live beneath affliction's rod. And David's psalms are prescient songs to every child of God. Uh, the Proverbs, like a goodly string of choicest pearls, appear. Uh, Ecclesiastes teaches men how vain all things are here. Uh, the mystic song of Solomon exalts sweet Sharon, Sharon's rose. Uh, while Christ the Savior and the King wrapped, uh, Isaiah shows. Uh, um, the warning Jeremiah now apostate Israel scorns. Uh, his plaintive lamentations then their awful downfall mourns. Uh, Ezekiel dealt in wondrous words of dazzling mysteries. Uh, while kings and emperors, empires yet to come in visions Daniel sees. Uh, of judgment and of mercy brave Hosea loves to tell. Uh, Joel described the blessed days when God with men shall dwell. Uh, among Tekoa's herdsmen Amos there received his call. Uh, while Obadiah prophesies of Edom's final fall. Uh, um, Jonah enshrines a wondrous type of Christ our risen Lord. Uh, when Micah tells of Judah's last loss but again restored. Uh, Nahum uh, declares on Nineveh just judgment wrath shall fall. Uh, when Medes and Babylonians hosts shall live over wall. Uh, in view of Chaldea's uh, coming doom Habakkuk vision gives. Uh, next Zephaniah warns the Jews to turn, repent and live. Uh, Haggai wrote to those who saw the temple built again uh, and Zechariah prophesied as Christ's triumphant uh, reign. Uh, Twas Malachi, the last who touched the high prophetic chord. Uh, its final notes sublimely show the coming of the Lord. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John, the Holy Gospels wrote, uh, describing how the Savior died, His life, and all He taught. Uh, Acts proves his, uh, how God, the apostles, own with signs in every place. Uh, and Paul in Romans teaches us how man is saved by grace. Uh, the apostle in Corinthians now instructs, exhorts, reproves. Uh, Galatians shows that faith in Christ alone the Father loves. Uh, Ephesians and Philippians tell what Christians ought to be. Uh, Colossians bid us live for God and for eternity. In Thessalonians is taught the Lord will come from heaven. In Timothy and Titus finds a bishop's rule is given. Philemon shows a Christian's love as only Christian saw. Uh, Hebrews reveals the gospel grace prefigured in the law. Uh, James teaches without holiness faith is but vain and dead. Uh, but Peter points the narrow way in which the saints are led. Uh, in three epistles, John we see on love delights to dwell. While Jude gives awful warning there of judgment, wrath and hell. Uh, the revelation prophesies of that tremendous day when Christ and Christ alone shall be the tremblings sinners stay thank the Lord for the word of God I know it was long but I'm telling you something they had and they had encountered salvation in Christ and because of that it had proofs I know it was a three and a half minute read but I'm telling you it's worth it all when you get into the word of God if you get a love for the word of God I promise you that will mean much they encountered salvation in Christ. Uh, they experienced suffering for Christ. We'll read the verses in a moment. But we know very little of what it means to suffer for our faith. We do. I know we haven't done much, dealt with much suffering. We've dealt with some suffering around here. Sure, we sure have. I've dealt with suffering. Some of you have dealt with suffering. And I know that to be true. But man, we haven't dealt with some of the suffering that they had experienced in Bible times. And however, these, these believers knew firsthand. They knew firsthand what it was like to suffer for a belief that they loved and that they lived every day. Their suffering was the result of an attack by the enemy on every side, it seemed like. 
And the text reveals that they, their, their enemies, were uh, their opposition were in a few different ways. I want to give you two points here. Their, number one, their enemy was strange. They had a strange opposition. Now notice in verse 14. For ye, brethren, became followers of the church of God, which is in Judea, are in Christ Jesus, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen. Is that not what it says? Of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. I mean, Paul was making reference to the Jews suffering at the hands of their own people, and it had begun. Uh, we know uh, when they attacked Paul and his colleagues and his travelers uh, and had not yet subsided from that, and his father, he, he goes on and describes uh, um, the, how the enemy attacked and how the opposition was. Uh, but can I just tell you, it's strange uh, that it's saying like-minded people are coming against each other. That's a strange thing, but it happens every day. I'm talking Americans fighting Americans, right? We got more problem outside this nation. Why are we fighting in the midst, right? We got churches fighting against churches. Why? Why? Now, I know we ought to stand right for doctrine. We ought to stand. Doctrine matters, amen? And, and, and this Bible matters. But the fact is, friend, the fact is, uh, is that every single disagreement don't have to cause division. Does it? Verse 15, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not God and are contrary to men, forbidden us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sin always. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. And so we're seeing here that Paul makes it clear that some of the harshest uh, and the toughest opposition uh, came from those who were maybe their very own friends and family. I don't know. This might help you, but it helps me. It helps me. That opposition comes from more of your friends and family. I'm telling you something, friend. Is that The fact is, is that I, I remind you. I remind you that our enemy has never been and should never be another person. It shouldn't. It's sad to say that... Our enemy, the, the real enemy, our real opposition in this day, the one has really opposed us, has caused some mass confusion within churches. To fight one another and enable him to, to do his work. But that's not what the Bible says. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Is that right? I don't need to read no more. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers in the darkness of this world. Uh, and so I'm just telling you that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And if we're Christians, uh, we should seek not to fight and to have a feud and to fuss uh, and do all those things because the house of God is not a place uh, of bickering. It's not a place of that, but it's a place of bonding. It's a place of building. It's a place of blessing uh, for the saints of God. I hope this is helping somebody. I'm just telling you, this is my heart. And Paul gives us an enemy. He says that there's some strange opposition. And I don't know what lies ahead for this church. And I don't know what lies ahead for me. I don't know what lies ahead for you. But I'll tell you this much. There's some strange opposition that's going to come along. There already has been. Some strange opposition. 
And then not only the strange opposition, but we see not only that. And then verse 18, wherefore we would have come unto you even as I, Paul, once had once and again, but Satan hindered us. There's the satanic opposition. He exposes and gives us a clear view of who the real enemy is. This is the real enemy. I mean, the word hindered is an interesting word because it deals with a military sense. Actually, it deals with a sense that the word refers to digging a trench and coming up and breaking up a road. And so just think about this. One of the countermeasurements in that old day in the army, has anybody served in here? I know there's you, dad, you've served, and you've served, you've served. Okay, and so I don't know how it was then, but I'll tell you how was in the Bible times what I've read some things uh, is that they said that what there was is they would come in and uh, if the enemy was to, would dig this massive trench uh, and this massive trench would be dig and it would prevent the enemy from reaching over to them it would prevent them from reaching over to them I'm reminded of a big gulf that's fixed between Abraham his bosom right and hell. Right? In Luke chapter 16, he said, and, and Abraham, and he's seeing Abraham afar off in Lazarus. But, but he said, Would you just, just let me get over there? Or send somebody to me. But Abraham said, I can't. It's between me and you, there's a great gulf fixed. And it just gives us an idea and, and all the enemies are going to come against us and they're going to fight and they're going to do this and that. Uh, but there is, uh, there, there, we need to build a trench. We need to. I'm just telling you something. That's his tactics. That's the way he's going to work. He's going to try to hinder us and stop us from getting over there. Getting where we're supposed to be. That's what I'm trying to say. In our growth process, in our, in our progress of being a Christian, is that there's going to be, Satan's going to come and, and he's going to try to hinder us. He has. He has time and time and time again. But I'm telling you something. We need to be educated in the tactics that he has. I mean, if he can, he'll dig a hole. I don't think he won't. He'll get believers to fight one another. He'll and he'll 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 come together and he'll watch us fall into the hole. And if this, that doesn't work, uh, he'll break up the road in front of us. He'll do this uh, and he'll do that and, and try to do some kind of way to hurt us uh, financially, emotionally, physically, uh, but most of all spiritually, because he don't care about any of the rest of it. Uh, but he knows that if he can get through that, he can get through that. Uh, and we must remember that our real enemy is not each other. We got three or four churches, three or four churches involved here this afternoon, uh, and man, I'm thankful for y'all. Thankful we can, uh, brother Severs. I'm thankful we can come together and serve the Lord together, and your pastor still be Doug Rains. Amen. Amen. And that's all I'm trying to say is that we can still do this. We can still come together, and thank God we don't have to fight about anything because that's not the enemy that's really out to get us. But he'll use his tactics to use our friends and use our family and use so on and so on and get us. I'm just trying to tell you something that you need to press on for the glory of God. There's a better day coming, ain't there? And we'll see that here in the rest of this verse. That encountered salvation in Christ, experienced suffering for Christ. 
But then I want you to notice that they will enjoy satisfaction for Christ. Because the Bible says in the next few verses, which we'll read in a minute, but in spite of all of the opposition and in spite of all of the things that come their way and stop them, uh, and in spite of all of that, the problems and persecution and uh, all the conflict and the chaos that they are faced in their life, uh, Paul comes to them and he reminds them that there's going to be satisfaction ahead. And friend, I'm ready for heaven right now. I'm ready for him to take me out. I'm telling you, it's, it's God's. I'm not talking about me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not signing my death certificate right now. I like living, and I like preaching, and I like doing things for the Lord and working for Him. But I'm just telling you, I'm ready for Him to call me home. I'm ready for it. It'd be a whole lot easier, but man, it'd be better. Man, it'd be better. And I'm thankful for that. Notice that there, Paul gives them a a, a, a glimmer of light. That after all, it will get better after all. Amen. And so verse 19, the Bible says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? So he gives us the crown of rejoicing. He gives us that picture. Now, he speaks of this. He, he basically is telling them, listen, there's a better day coming. There's a better day coming, friends. And verse 19, I mean, it literally deals with the crown that which is rejoicing. And, and, and it's amazing. It's amazing. And I've went through the Olympic Games and looked at the different crowns and that sort of stuff. I ain't got to deal with that. But I'm just telling you something here is that the, it was a Stephanos is what some people say. And uh, it was a, cra- a crown of triumph. The crown uh, um, that is won uh, uh, after you had finished a race. It's that crown. Uh, and I'm thankful I'm going to receive receive a crown someday. Amen. Not that I deserve one, uh, but man, I want to lay it at the feet of Christ, friend. Uh, and James describes the crown of life, and Paul describes the incorruptible um, crown. Uh, and, and there's so many different ones in the Bible, but I'm telling you what right here uh, is that Paul is saying that this is your hope, uh, your joy, uh, your rejoicing, uh, and for every person who's ever been saved, that's what it is. Uh, is that every tear we've shed, uh, every prayer we prayed and every trouble and trial uh, um, that we endure we will look ahead uh, to a better day when there's a crown uh, of rejoicing and it's placed in our hands uh, and we can place it at His feet uh, and friend it will be worth it there will be worth it. It's a crown of rejoicing. Uh, And then we see their Christ uh, in returning. It says, um, Are ye not, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For you are glory and joy. So in this verse, it tells there's a, it speaks of the presence of our Lord and Jesus Christ that is coming. Are you not even there? And so uh, the word coming uh, is, uh, is a weird word, and I'm not going to get into all the terms of it, but it's not really a weird word because it simply means to come, right? It simply means that He is going to be coming to me. Is that simple? Pretty simple, I thought so. And I'm just telling you that they, but it, but it, but it also gives us an idea of how immediate it is. In a moment, a twinkling of an eye. That's flashed in a blink of an eye from what I've heard. Um, but I'm just telling you, it, it, it's a defined period. It's a definite period. Uh, and it fixes our attention to the journey that we are ahead. Uh, but it also fixes our attention onto the journey when He calls us out. 
Is anybody ready to go? I hope you're ready to go. I hope you're ready to go. Uh, and whenever I, I'm just telling you is that we could, we the the person uh, that's coming from heaven is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Tells us there's a person coming, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the period that's going to happen is His appearance, and it's going to happen in the clouds. Right? We know that. We know that it's going to happen. The place is heaven. I mean, we. Nonetheless, I'm not getting into all that. But I'm telling you something here is that aren't you glad that there's going to be a day when Jesus comes and gets us? I, I believe that not only are we going to have a better day, but it's going to be a brighter day. I mean, it's going to be a brighter day. And at that day, every trial and every trouble and every tribulation and every problem and predicament and every perplexity and everything, uh, sorrow and sickness that we've ever experienced, uh, it will be gone. It'd be worth it all. And some may be on the sun right now, but some's got to be on some dreary clouds. And I'm telling you here, saints of God, we're not home yet. And it's not easy right now. It's not, it's not easy right now. But look at what lies ahead. Right? I mean, just think and look at what lies ahead for you and I. Is that the people of God will be around and in the glory of God. And it's before us. It's going to happen. Nobody can stop it from happening. Satan cannot hinder him as he hindered Paul. It's not going to be stopped because we're headed to a better land. It's going to be a better day. Listen, church, Mountain Valley, I don't know what lies ahead. But he does. I don't know what lies ahead. But it will be worth it all if we'll stay with him. It will be. It will be. Listen, there's one thing that I've uh, tried my hardest not to do, and that's look up everybody else that's going to be coming down, what church is coming and this and that, and trying to surround my, uh, surround my message on that as well, because that's not it. Because there's a church here at Mountain Valley that needs help. You guys have helped us. Everybody's helped us and been such a big part. But I'm telling you something right here is that what we need to look at is not the here and now exactly. But man, look at what lies ahead. My point is I still have to preach to y'all, Mountain Valley. And we need to look at what lies ahead. It's not easy now, but look at what lies ahead. Don't you believe God's got a plan? God's got a plan. I believe he does. God knows what he's doing. Listen, I I don't know what else, but if you need to pray this morning or this afternoon, I'm going to pray close out the service. Listen, I, I know it's been a simple service, 55 minutes, simple, but that's just my heart. That's just my heart this morning. Listen, I love each and every one of you, and I praise the Lord for His goodness. Don't get called up on what's right now. Y'all know what I'm going through. Y'all know what I'm experiencing, but that don't make one bit of difference. To change. It's not going to change what lies ahead for me. And if we'll pay attention to what lies ahead, Bless the Lord. Man, we can, we can, what a different perspective when we look through the eyes of Christ. Different perspective when we look through the eyes of Christ. Let's pray and ask God if you need to pray or anything. Um, these altars are always open. Dear God in heaven, we love you.
We thank you, God, for all that you've done. Thank you, Lord, for how you've blessed us, Lord. Thank you, God, for being so good to us, Lord. You've been faithful, Lord. You've been true, Lord. You've been so considerate, Lord, to consider this church, to consider me, Lord, and consider each individual and each person that has come down to this place, Lord. But Lord, we get caught up so easily on the, on the here and now and the things which are here and what we're dealing with, Lord. But, Lord, we'll just look at what lies ahead, God. What a better day it'll be. Lord, I'm thankful, God, for your faithfulness, for your truthfulness, Lord. And I ask you, dear God, to just please help us, Lord, as we go throughout this day. Lord, help each individual, Lord, to trust in you, God, in this day and this hour. Lord, we don't know, we don't understand the next moves that lie ahead, Lord. I don't. You, uh, you do, though, God. And I pray, God, that you would have your will and you'd have your way. Lord, that we follow your leadership, Lord, and not get swayed by anything, Lord. Lord, we sure are glad, Lord, that you've been that good to us. You've been that faithful to us, Lord, and you've done such a work. And God, I know you're not done yet. And Lord, I pray, God, you'd continue to work. We praise you. Thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you